Welcome to the Redbird Report. This is Vedette Sports Editor Nate Head, and I'm joined by my co-editor, Mike Mara. Mike, you were with the football team last night in northern Arizona. You just touched down at 3.30 a.m. How are you feeling this morning? I'm a little tired. I'm a little sluggish. I didn't sleep on the plane. I couldn't do it. I know a couple people were knocked out, but I, I could not fall asleep for the life of me. I had my eyes shut. I fell asleep for like 20 minutes. I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm just going to turn on a podcast and, and, and rest the rest of the flight. Yeah, I've never one to really sleep on planes either. You know, I'll be on the flight and I'll look around and people are just passed out. I'm just like, how is this possible? You know, we're 30,000 feet up. It's just, I don't, I don't yeah, that's quite wild, understand. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, really just getting in the game. Um, as we know, ISU's first loss of the season, um, luckily out of conference. So they remain undefeated within the Missouri Valley, but still a pretty disappointing loss. Uh, 37 to 16 defeat to the Lumberjacks. And just, you know, kind of starting off. The game, you know, started slow. The teams traded punts. I believe they combined for seven punts in the first quarter. Um, what did you see from the slow start uh, from either team? Well, I, but there was a defensive dominated for first quarter. I mean, you didn't see many yards on either side. Obviously, Northern Arizona they didn't even have a first down in the first quarter. Obviously, they changed that around real quick, but. It was a defensive dominant first quarter, and and that was the thing. I think I don't know if it was a feeling out period. Obviously, it was the first matchup between these two teams. Uh, obviously, Northern Arizona will repay the visit to Hancock Stadium in 2019. I believe that's September of 2019. Uh, but for now, it was the first matchup at Northern Arizona. You're 7,000 above feet, le- uh, 7,000 feet above sea level. And I, don't, I think that's just one of those, and I think you know what I'm talking about when you say that it's just two teams trying to feel each other out. You, you know, you trade blows in the first quarter, and then you really get a sense of, you know, what's going to work. Obviously, you see these teams on film, uh, and you watch a lot of film all week leading up to it because you, you don't really see – you've never seen these guys, so you don't know what to expect. The one thing that was a little interesting was the offensive coordinator for Northern Arizona was at – Indiana State a year ago. So mm. he was a little bit familiar with Illinois State. Obviously, he didn't okay. have all the answers. Mm. But uh, there was that, and then there was one similar opponent that these two have. Illinois State has yet to face them, but they will. Coming up here real shortly, they'll face Western Illinois uh, coming up at the end of the month. Uh, but Northern Arizona played. Uh, Northern Arizona actually hosted Western Illinois earlier this month, or earlier in September, I should say. Uh, and Western got beat, beat right? Yeah, it was thirty-eight mm-hmm. to twenty. So I mean, Western Illinois handed handed them pretty handled handled them pretty mm-hmm. easily, which I, it might be a little concerning. Right. Obviously, it's it's week two of the season. Northern Arizona, I'll tell you what, they played a lot better than their two and two record. They came in two and two, two and zero in the Big Sky. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, they looked a lot better than, than two and two. Okay, so just kind of, you know, we'll break down both sides of the ball. Um, we'll start off on the ISU offensive side. Um, as you mentioned, slow start for either team, so maybe that wasn't, you know, the key turning point of the game. But at the end of the second quarter, um, NAU gets a big touchdown, a, a passing, a 23-yard touchdown pass, something like that, um, to go into halftime. And then they come out of the break and score another two touchdowns. And, and ISU never really, you know, matched that. They ne- they, they, those two touchdowns after the break were unanswered. ISU never seemed to really have a rhythm going. They only scored one touchdown in the game, and it was in the fourth quarter when the game was already arguably too far out of reach. Um, what are your thoughts on the ISU offense? And keep in mind, they also, you know, they really stalled out in the second half of last week against Indiana State, a victory, but really um, underwhelming second half in that game as well. And the thing, the thing is, is looking at the defense that Indiana State ran. And then the defense that NAU ran, 
NAU completely changed up their defensive playbook this week. Uh, obviously, I'm not an NAU expert, but I, I did. I, knowing I was going out there, I, I, I like to watch, you know, some game film of teams that they're playing, uh, just so I can have some sort of sense of what's going on. Who, mm-hmm. who maybe is their big player, big target? Uh, you know, in this case, big defender. Um, and they changed their defense up a little bit to literally replicate what Indiana State ran in the second half against Illinois State. And I'll tell you what, it looked it was eerily similar. And when you look at it, obviously Illinois State had those field goals in the first three quarters of the game, mm-hmm. but that was that was nearly five and a half quarters without scoring a touchdown. Right. You're not going to win many football games going five and a half quarters without scoring a touchdown, dating back to obviously that first or that second half of the Indiana State game. But it, Indiana or Northern Arizona, excuse me, uh, just really flustered Illinois State mm-hmm. all night long. Jay Colby never seemed to get into a groove. Um, he ne- and, and credit the secondary of Northern Arizona, he didn't really have many targets open. But when he did, and it's something that is concerning, and I know talking with some other people that were at the game, um, that's the struggle of Jay Colby is finding that deep ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen it against Indiana State. He hit those two long ones to Christian Gibbs. But outside of that... There's really no there, there's no answer to Jake finding to Jake finding the long ball and that's mm-hmm. that's concerning because he lives on those little dips and dunks mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what Northern Arizona keyed on that those little bubble screens and swings all that stuff was stopped for losses or at the line of scrimmage yesterday I mean they they really they they watched their film and they knew what they were running everything Illinois State ran at them they kind of seen coming I mean. It was a frustrating night offensively. I mean, then you you go to the offensive line, which was another one of those question marks coming mm-hmm. into the season, and the offensive line really looked to be in, in shambles, to put it simply. I mean, mm-hmm. they just couldn't really block anything. Uh, it seemed like there was always, and credit Northern Arizona, they were always sending one extra and one extra rusher, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was from the edge, from, from the edge, from the middle. They were always sending somebody, and and it seemed like that guy that was coming off scot free kind of either got a shot on Colby. Uh, stop Markel Smith or James Robinson in the backfield for a loss or, or, or no gain. Um, and then the other thing that was was pretty noticeable as far as the offense goes was the pass protection. Um, and out of the backfield really was where it was, was concerning. Uh, it, it seemed like specifically James Robinson was a little bit confused as far as where to go on certain pass blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, if the line's zone blocking or and slide protecting right, you know, that's, you know, pass blocking 101 for a, for a back in the backfield. You know, if they're sliding right, you go left and then vice versa. And it, it really seemed like he didn't he, – he was always going right with, with – he was going the same direction – as the line was and wasn't picking up those guys coming in, and and, and Jake was getting hit. You know, I, I'll give I'll give Jake some credit. He was he was taking some blows, um, and it, I don't know if it was I believe it was early, it was early in the fourth or late in the third uh, when he got popped pretty good and he came up hobbling. Um, mm-hmm. He never he didn't come out of the game. Nothing really came out of that. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it was kind of a result of the beating he was taking. Uh, but going back to Colby. You know, another one of those question marks that you know we came into the season with was how is he going to perform? Um, you know, to build off that sophomore year that had its ups and downs, and yeah. that's kind of just it. Was you know there were there were flashes of Jay Colby being a great quarterback, and then there were flashes of you know that sophomore kind of being you know struggling, going through some growing pains, and and last night. Really, outside of that fourth quarter, it was a struggle for him. Uh, like I said, he was missing open guys, whether it was downfield. Um, and then you've seen a couple of those passes that you've seen Colby do in the past uh, where you don't know 
what ISU receiver he was throwing it to, but mm-hmm. somehow it found its way in between a couple defenders. Um, ended the night with three interceptions, one touchdown pass, uh, 223 yards. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say is it seemed like in the fourth quarter there was a bit of a sense of urgency on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that's obviously that starts with your quarterback. And that was probably the most rhythm you've seen out of him mm-hmm. uh, was in that fourth quarter uh, on that drive when they scored. Uh, unfortunately, he did throw two interceptions, two of his three in the fourth quarter, one that pretty much sealed the deal yep. uh, late in the fourth, and then one early in the fourth, which was kind of one of those 50-50 balls mm-hmm. that uh, – I don't want to say I disagree with the play call because obviously that's why they're over there doing what they're doing and yeah. we're over here doing right. what we're doing. But I and I don't necessarily think that that's how that play was even drawn up was to be a 50-50 ball. But he threw it up. I when you need a score like that, I don't think that's what you want to do. But nonetheless, it came down in the arms of a of a lumberjack, um, and that's just kind of where you got to go back to to Jake and he mentioned it at the end of the Indiana State game. Uh, that a lot of the decisions fall, all the decisions fall on him. But he's got to be better with the ball. It, it, you know, you go if you go back to probably two, three uh, different drives last night. Uh, you could probably pinpoint a couple where if a, a one decision was made a different way, whether you throw the ball out of bounds or, or, or anything like that, throw it to a different receiver, maybe the game changes slightly, or mm-hmm. maybe I mean you, you score, but. Uh, Really, the one thing I will say is to put a positive light on it. When they needed to score, needed to put something together, um, he, he came up. He came up. And, mm. and that's just it. Is when the, the sense of urgency hit, he, he seemed to kind of embrace it. And they found that they did find their way into the end zone. Okay, yeah. So really, you know, still one last question here on the offensive side of the ball is this is kind of the first game where the Redbirds could not really get anything going um, out of the backfield on the ground that way. You know, we all know about their three running backs, Smith, Robinson, Henderson. None of them can really get anything going. Um, So that kind of forced the offensive, you know, that forced Colby's hand. Moving forward, is this going to be a problem that the running back can't get, or if the running back core can't get going and forces Colby to be, you know, the main threat on offense? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a big concern. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is and, and Spack has mentioned this, and I know people have he said it last night when we were when we were getting ready to head home. Uh, the issue now is all of this is on film. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what Northern Arizona did. They looked at the film, uh, and, and they replicated what Indiana State did. Uh, and that's just the easiest way to say it is, is they did what Indiana State did. It's on film, and now Northern Arizona, this is all on film as well. Um, you, you take away those running backs, and this offense is – I shouldn't say they won't be thrown out of sorts, but they're going to be searching for, for some answers real quick. Um, and that's what you've seen yesterday. I mean, credit Northern Arizona. Their defense, uh, they were not very big. And when you look, when you go down their line, when you looked at their their defensive line, there were no big boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, our our offensive line outweighed them and, and were taller than them. They stood taller than them and, and they weighed more. I mean, so de- uh, you know, on paper, it looks like we have the advantage, uh, but. No, it, it turned out so so. I mean, it, that's not the way you thought it was going to turn out. But I'm telling you, this this the defense, and that's just, that's another thing. Is mm-hmm. it is it's a struggling offensive line. It's a young offensive line, but I mean, when you look at the film, you just all you got to do is do the same thing that other teams have done. Obviously, Illinois State can go to the you know go to the film and, and go to the drawing board and be like, okay, this is what the teams are starting to do for us. Here's what we can do differently, but. You take away the running backs and you force Colby's hand. 
I just don't think that spells for good success. And it's not a knock on Colby. It's not a mm-hmm. knock on anybody. Um, but he just doesn't, to me, doesn't seem like one of those elite quarterbacks that you need that if it's like, okay, you know what, if they have to force our hand here, we're fine. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, and give Jay credit because he could tuck the ball and run. Yeah. So he could pass and tuck the ball and run. I wouldn't say – I wouldn't – Deem him a, a dual threat. That no, he, yeah, he's not a dual threat, but he can run. It's an it's an option. Um, so that's just it. I mean, if you take away the running backs, I, I think the best way to open that up might be to bring in Malachi Broadnax. Mm-hmm. Then you run a little read option, speed option, um, and then you get the you know you get the ground game running that way. Uh, you know, but then it still kind of messes up your play action because if you're running with Broadnax, he's out of the backfield as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that I think Illinois State needs to fix uh, before. I mean, this schedule gets 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 tough real quick uh, here in these next coming weeks. I mean, you have Southern Illinois next week, and then you welcome in South Dakota. And South Dakota beat Youngstown State at home yesterday. I believe that final was 28-21, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. But I'm I, North or South. Dakota, excuse me, is is for real. Bob Nielsen over there left Western Illinois. Well, before he went to Western Illinois, won two national championships at Minnesota Duluth at Division II level. Went to Western Illinois, kind of changed that program around. The last, I think, believe he was there for three years. Turned that program around. Uh, never really got over the hump there. Uh, but you know, South Dakota last year was a team that kind of snuck up on people. Uh, Illinois State went to South Dakota last year and. Uh, they lost a tight one, but it wasn't one that they thought they were going to lose. And now, obviously, this year, South Dakota nationally ranked, and they're going to find themselves. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them in the top probably eight teams in this coming this week's coming rankings. But that's obviously two weeks away. But uh, it just goes to show that they need to figure something out. And this game against Southern is going to be one of those like soul-searching games. I know that's what Spack had said mm-hmm. last night. Uh, it, you know, This is a soul-searching week and game for them. Because it, it, this schedule gets tough. I mean, when you look at this back half, you got South Dakota, South Dakota State, Youngstown State, North Dakota State. Uh, I mean, it's tough. And Western Illinois in there as well. All teams that are ranked. I mean, that's the thing is all teams that are nationally ranked. And, you know, if you can't figure it out, that that's going to be a, uh, you know, you're going to spiral downward real fast. Um, so they got to figure that out. And, and so to answer your question, <laughs> yeah. more simply, if that if you can't figure out the run game and, and the ball's in Colby's hand, I don't think that's that's not going to spell very good for for Illinois State. Yes, it'll definitely be interesting to see the changes that the offense makes going into next week in Carbondale. Um, obviously, something is is not going uh, according to plan. This has been now six quarters of a very mediocre offense um, in a row now. So I'm sure you know SPAC and, and the staff. Or will, you know, look at the film and, and do everything they can to uh, right the ship, is what he said yesterday. Switching gears to the defensive side, um, you know, Northern Arizona, they put up a whopping 431 offensive yards. So that's a huge figure alone. And if you look at it, only 28 of those are on the ground. So those front guys are bottled up anything that they try to, um, you know, try to do on the on, on the ground. 403 passing yards is definitely a reason of concern. Um, that is just a you know glaring figure um, while looking at it by a sophomore quarterback. Um, it's a really almost disturbing number. So, you know, especially when you know we have guys on, on the Redbeard uh, secondary, as in you know Devonte Harris and Alex or Alec Core. Um, you know, is that a reason for concern that they threw for 403 passing yards against uh, a Redbird defense critically acclaimed? <sighs> 
This is tough because I don't think you're going to see as good a quarterback as you've seen in Case Cook is from Northern Arizona. I mean that that was that was the storyline coming in mm-hmm. was Case Cook is was a good quarterback. Obviously, you can only see film on him. Um, a sophomore, uh, a redshirt sophomore, because his freshman year was two years ago, uh, where he won FCS National Player of the Year. Uh, I mean, just really, really good. And I'll tell you what, he he was every bit as advertised. I mean, there were a couple passes that he either underthrew or overthrew a receiver, but it was one of those it's it was one of those throws where you sit there and you're like, well, if his guy wasn't getting it. Nobody was. And there were a couple plays where he had a thread and needle between a couple uh, ISU defend- defenders, and he did it. He was every bit as advertised. He was very, very good. And I, I, we talk about how, how tough Colby was. I mean, they almost replicated them, them each other um, as far as toughness goes just because this guy, Cookus, was standing in the pocket, and guys like Dalton Keene, Adam Conley, Matt McGowan, all these guys were popping him. All night long. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they had a hand, they had hands in his face. They were hitting him. They were hurrying him. Um, and and he kept getting up. And he kept he would make throws. He he'd make a throw, get knocked down, and and get right back up. It's just one of those toughness factors that you have in quarterback. And, and Dalton Keene mentioned it again last night. He said that as a leader, when you're looking at as a team, when you're looking to your leader, in, in the case of Northern Arizona, you see your guy getting beat up. And he continues to get up and, and succeed and throw a bunch of touchdowns, throw for a ton of passing yards. That gives you motivation as an offense, as a team, to kind of you know rally behind this guy. And that's what they did. Uh, but it's a little concerning because the matchup all night long was their guy Elijah Marks versus Devonte Harris. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Marks, I'll tell you what, was very, very, very quick. Yep, very, very quick. The issue with that was. Devontae Harris was playing him at the line of scrimmage. He was playing a little bump and run. In that case, in this case, you get beat once or twice, that's fine. You make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. The issue with that was he continued to just cover him at the line of scrimmage and kind of go blow for blow. And and Elijah Marks was just quicker than he was. And that was just it. And when you expose a guy like Devontae Harris... um, that that that's a little concerning. I, I'll I'll give you that. That's concerning because of the fact that that's I mean that's an FCS national player of the year preseason pick in, in Devonte yeah. Harris, and to they lit him up. Mm-hmm. They, to put it simply, they 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 lit him up. Yeah, they and, did. And that's that's concerning. I mean, they were going right at him. Mm-hmm. That was their guy. They that was their first look when you're you know. You've seen Cookus drop back, and the first thing he did was look outside the numbers to where Devonta Harris and Marks were, mm-hmm. and that was his first look. And they, they took a lot of shots. I know you were watching the game. They took a lot of shots downfield. Yep. And that's one of the things that I think separated Illinois State from Northern Arizona. Um, they weren't afraid to take that deep shot and kind of pl- have that big play. Right. And ISU didn't have that big play. They weren't going for many shots. That you know, it's one of those momentum swingers where it's like, okay, there's a gain of 60 yards through the air. Now we're in enemy territory. Yeah. We're 20 yards from the goal. You know, we're in the red zone, and it just didn't happen. You didn't see that out of them. So it's it's a little concerning, but I think you got to take it with a grain of salt because of who you played. Right. Um, but I'll tell you what. Again, the the Redbird defense just continues to stop the rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a team that's going to rush on them, uh, you're yeah, not good gonna, luck. Yeah, you're not going to have a. It's not going to be a fun. St- it's not going to mm-hmm. be a fun game. It's not going to be a fun trip. Um, so that's the that's the one 
positive thing on the defensive side. Uh, again, you know, as we go to that secondary, that second half, when you look at it, actually, now that I think about it, both halves you're missing a piece of your defense. The mm-hmm. first half you were missing Brandon Berry, who was suspended for the first half of this game after being ejected for targeting against Indiana State. And then you get Brandon Berry back, and then early in the third you lose Mitchell Breeze to another targeting call. Yeah. And those are two guys that are obviously starting starting. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mitchell Breeze started last night, Brandon Berry starts any other game that he's not suspended for the first half. Came out and started playing right yeah. away in the second half. Um, obviously that you know, you're playing, he's got the fresh leg, so it wouldn't be a bad idea either way, but he's starting regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I mean, you, you miss a piece of your defense both halves, yeah. but I still don't think that makes up for, you know, the 403 passing yeah. yards. And then the other thing I will say is I like the trickery out of Northern Arizona. That was a slick play. I caught that one, and I had no idea that I was going back to the quarterback. I, I don't know what it looked like from the press box. You might have a better view, but I thought he was taking a shot downfield. He turns around, whips it to the quarterback, and he you know could have cartwheeled in. So Yeah, yeah. from the press box, Dick Ludke for, for WJBC in Learfield, um, he, he called it perfectly because you saw the play develop that way mm-hmm. the entire time. You saw him, you saw Kate Cookus throw it out to the right side of the field to his receiver, and then you just saw Cookus drop back and just had a wall of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw – from the press box, you saw it coming, but I mean, if you're on the field, it's 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 completely different. But the second it happened, you knew it was one of those. I was going for a score. Yeah, to me, to me, that was kind of the dagger. At that point, I was kind of like, okay, this game might get out a little bit out of reach. Um, not only was it a touchdown at a critical point, but it was just kind of like to do it in that fashion is just kind of like you know that really that's a pretty devastating blow. And I don't think ISU ever recovered. And, I, and I'll tell you what. They were feeling good about themselves after they scored that play. Exactly. I'll tell you what, Case Cookus was was showboating his mm-hmm. way to the sideline. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. um, that was the one thing because the press box was the home side on the home side of the field. And I'll tell you what, he came in and he had the biggest grin on his face. Mm-hmm. He was coming in. It wasn't necessarily he was he was running in. He was like kind of like skipping, and he wasn't doing like a money sign with his mm-hmm. hands. But he was like it was like a money sign, and it mm-hmm. was just like they were feeling good about themselves. And mm-hmm. that's just it, though. Is this is a team that was two and two? Like I said, they don't look like a two and two team. No, I don't think. In looking at their schedule, they're probably they're, they're probably biggest game on the way out. They they host Montana and they go to Southern Utah. Those are their two biggest games. But I mean, if you're in the Big Sky, the one team you probably don't want to play is Eastern Washington, and you don't get to play Eastern Washington. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, they're two and zero in the Big Sky. Took their last non conference game last night as well. So I mean, they're two and zero, just like Illinois State is in the conference. Um, and that's a team that I would not be surprised if, if they compete for a big a big sky title. All right. Um, but uh, again, to answer your question, uh, the passing the passing the passing defense is concerning. Again, like I said, take it with a grain of salt because Cookus was very very good. I mean, that's a guy who was a sophomore, um, and Illinois State's going to see him again in 2019 as a senior. But mm. uh, He's really good. I don't. I don't think you're not going to see a guy as good as Cookus the rest of the year. Obviously, just talking regular season wise, um, you probably won't see a quarterback as good as he was. Mm-hmm. You're going to see some good quarterbacks because there's good quarterback play in the valley, but you're not going to see anybody as good as him. That's a guy who again can compete for an FCS National Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, he uh, he was very good, and I think Illinois State's got to sure some things up because that secondary looked all out of sorts last night. All right, so kind of changing gears now from the football team, who's now four and one after dropping their first game of the season, thirty-seven to sixteen to Northern Arizona. They have another game on the road in Carbondale this Saturday, and then after that they'll play a very tough schedule with but three out of the five are at home at Hancock so yeah switching up uh let's start with the volleyball team really big win for them last night at Redbird Arena over Valparaiso um new conference team uh the Redbirds were down you know they're down two sets and storm back and win three consecutive to take the match and to improve to four and three in the conference um obviously you weren't at the game but you know that's a second straight win, conference win for ISU. And, um, you know, what what is the, the general sense you're kind of hearing or, or seeing around the team? Well, uh, this team's really bought in, first off. you got to credit them for buying into Leah Johnson's system. Um, and I know I talked about it with our, our volleyball beat reporter, Nick Damiani. But, you know, when you especially look at the, the, the senior class, and even the junior class who've had who had Melissa Myers, the old volleyball coach for two or for their whether it was two years or three years, depending on what year you are in school. Um, when you have a coach for multiple years and you kind of buy into her system, and then she leaves. She left in June. She had some family issues she needed to deal with, and, and obviously you hope everything is going well with her. Right. You can't blame them for making a, a, a decision when family comes first mm-hmm. uh, even though it, it even though you're a division one coach and you feel like that's a priority obviously family's still number one and you give her credit for kind of separating the two and, and being able to make that decision so um but that's the thing that i think was really the toughest thing for them to do and, and i go back to media day for volleyball when leah johnson took the podium uh, and Jalen Keene was at her side, and, and they asked Jalen, you know, what was the biggest thing this summer? And it was adjusting to a new coach and, and buying into her system and getting everybody to buy in. And it wasn't that it was an issue. It wasn't like their coach had had been let go and fired, and people were upset about that. It was she had to leave. You understand that she had to leave, but you still have to have a new face come in and run your program. Um, and they all bought in. It was just a matter of, gelling together and getting the system to fit and you know becoming feeling one with the system and they've done that uh they struggled early on i go back to it that wildcat classic where they went three and mm-hmm. and didn't even lose a set yeah uh, down in arizona in tucson arizona um is probably right now what you might call the turning point obviously it's still pretty early but that's mm-hmm. what might you might call the turning point at this at this you know point in the season mm-hmm. um but this team, I think they're pretty confident. And I know Leah Johnson is, is a coach that is not lacking any confidence. Um, from the very second she walked in, she said they were going to win a Missouri Valley Conference title. And that was their goal. That's it. There you go. Um, so I, I think they feel good about themselves. Obviously, you go back to their opening weekend. Uh, there are three losses to teams in the Valley. Are, are, are You don't want to call any lo- uh, loss a good loss, but, I mean, when you you look at teams like Missouri State, who they opened with at mm-hmm. Redbird Arena, and then you look at Northern Iowa, both teams, uh, Northern Iowa National Number 22 ranked. at the time. Yes. Yeah, so Northern Iowa was 22 at the time. Missouri State was on the brink. Mm-hmm. I mean, Missouri State beat 
they upset number 10th or 10th ranked Ohio State earlier in the season. And that was a nail-biting game for ISU. It's not like they lost that game, you know, by a substantial margin. That was oh. a 2-3 game that could have went either way in the fifth set. So, you know, really encouraging signs from the volleyball team. Um, I'll kind of ask you this to, to close up on them. They're 4-3 and three in the conference. They um, they were 9-9 nine and nine last year overall in the conference. What kind of, you know, record are you shooting for uh, for the volleyball team? Uh, I think they're going to probably finish somewhere around – I'll give them double digits. I bet you they finish with, I, I, I say, 13 to 14 wins in the Valley. Okay. Um, they're just so – the thing last year is, and not taking away from anybody on that team last year, because um, a lot of the girls, are, you know, returned, mm-hmm. but – Last year was strictly the Jalen Keene show. Yeah, I mean that's and that's that's what Leah Johnson has talked about is this year they've really they've really come out and uh, and shown that everybody's an offensive threat. I mean you got girls like Steph Jankowitz and Courtney Pence who do absolutely everything on the floor and really motor this team. Um, but then you got Lexi Wallen and Allie Line on the sides and just absolutely you know light up the scoreboard along with Jalen Keene and, mm-hmm. and that's just it is, is this year Leah Johnson has said that it's going to be like an offense by committee because everybody's coming out and keying on Jalen Keene um, so I think that alone gets them a few more wins so I think they finish around the 13 to 14 14 mark going into the conference tournament which is here at Redbird Arena which yeah. hasn't happened in, in a long time um that that's a steep test, uh, mm-hmm. you know. When you got to play teams, uh, you know, in a three-day span, and you might run into Missouri State and Northern Iowa back-to-back nights, uh, that doesn't spell for a very uh, a very nice tournament state. But obviously, if right. you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and that's what they'd have to do. Um, but we're still a while away for that. But I think mm-hmm. they'll they'll finish the season around thirteen to fourteen Valley wins. All right. And just kind of closing up with the uh, ISU soccer team, uh, they're trending in definitely the right direction. Um, after kind of a you know shaky um, you know start, and also which also continued through the middle of the season. Remember, this team was the you know preseason favorite out of the valley. Um, they're off to just a one and one start in the conference. Uh, just has just opened. Um, you know, they won their last four games, and, and that's really important for this team. I think they really needed this confidence boost. Um, another thing is is they were really struggling in, in terms of scoring, which obviously in soccer is, you know, pretty important. And, um, you know, before Wednesday, which was a senior night against uh, University of Illinois Chicago, before Wednesday, they had only scored multiple goals one time this entire season which is you know 13 games um you know which is definitely a, definitely a substantial reason for for concern um during this four game win streak they've scored um nine goals including four and three in their last ones um you know what do you think about the soccer team and their recent surge in scoring uh i think they're finally building that confidence to feel like uh, they're the reigning MVC champion. Mm-hmm. They're the preseason favorite. Um, and I don't know, again, we're talking about a new coach, too. Brad Silvey took over for Eric Goals this year. Mm-hmm. I, and I, the thing is, I, I don't it – was, it was a little bit different than the volleyball change because Brad Silvey was, you know, already on the coaching staff. It was just a new guy leading the program. So you wonder how much, you know, disconnect there was between what Goals was doing and what Silvey is currently doing. Um, and that was what was – reason for concern inside the soccer program was 
what was going on inside the locker room and you know on the drawing board stuff like that that wasn't translating into wins and it was it was simply they didn't they were not scoring mm-hmm. uh, they they came into last Wednesday's game against UIC with seven goals total and in the last in their last two games they've already matched that right and that was that was what was wild and you know you go back to Wednesday night um, I had called that game, so I, you know, it, looking at the numbers, UIC was not very good. They came in at three and ten. ISU was five, five, and two at the time, and two teams that did not like to score the ball, or it seemed like they didn't like to score the ball because UIC had twelve goals, and uh, and, and ISU had seven, uh, and they scored four, so they they nearly half, or they just over halved their goal total in one night and but you got to give credit on senior night emily dickman two goals obviously the two decisive ones she scored the first one making one nothing and then they answered right back Mm -hmm. uyc scores uh early in the first or in the second half i should say and she strikes again yeah inside a minute Mm -hmm. and so you know good for her and then obviously kelly zickert another senior scored on senior night but that was kind of what you were needing especially because we've seen it brad sylvie's calling for for any type of offense Uh any type of offensive help um and he he's gotten it the past two games and you just hope that that's going to stay consistent you got to really watch out though inside the valley standings because only the top four teams make it to the to the soccer tournament and they you know this first half of the season even the first you know the first two games of the second half they haven't looked like a top four team in the valley which won't get you in the tournament won't let you be able be able to defend that title uh, or get back to the ncaa tournament for the third straight time so I think they're tr- like you said they're trending in the right direction, but they just need to you know continue to string it together because this is their first winning streak of the year. All right, so Redbird soccer going in the right direction. Five conference games left before that tournament. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, as always, keep it tuned with the vedette and our beat reporter Nick Landy for extensive coverage on the team. All right, and last thing we need to touch though: Game Three NLDS tomorrow. Cubs and Nationals. Mike, you're at the game tomorrow. You're at Wrigley. Quintana is going for Chicago against the ace Max Scherzer in Game Three. Really pivotal game. Um, you know what's the score prediction? Oh man, it's probably. I'm going to come off a little biased here, and I don't even care. I will too. I don't even care. I'm I'm going I'm going a five three Cubbies victory. Okay, I'm going something very similar four to two Cubbies. I like that. All right. Thank you, guys. And as always, uh, check out our papers Monday and Thursday and always online content refreshing every day. Okay, thank you and have a great week.